we sometimes define our identity based on the fall instead of the beginning and we forget that original innocence was there before the fall. Welcome to the Be Filled podcast. Together we will explore the deepest desires of the human heart and how our Creator wants to fulfill your every longing. Join us as we explore the beautiful teaching of St. Pope John Paul II on the theology of the body. We are so excited you're here on the journey with us. Open your heart to be filled. Hello and welcome to season two of the Be Filled podcast. This season, we're going to be reading and discussing the text of John Paul II's teaching on the theology of the body. My name is Rochelle Parker, and I'm here today with the whole crew. I have Katie Davis, Patty Strauss, and Sister Cecilia Ann with me today. I am so happy to see all of you and that we're all here together. How are you guys doing? It's good to be here. I'm so glad. Thanks for being here. This is very exciting as we um, move into this teaching. Um, today, we're going to start at the very beginning in more ways than one. Um, we are in part one of the text, which is entitled The Words of Christ, chapter one, entitled Christ Appeals to the Beginning. And we're going to cover audiences one through four under the heading, What is Meant by the Beginning? There's a lot of headings in here. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but I just want you to know kind of where we are in the text. So I'm going to give you just a general overview of the section we're going to cover today. Um, in general audiences one through four, John Paul II is introducing what will be the topic for the rest of this chapter, which is an in-depth analysis of the creation story in Genesis. So why would he start in Genesis when he's exploring God's divine plan for human love? He does this because that's what Jesus does. Jesus uses the phrase from the beginning twice in response to the Pharisees questioning him about marriage. And this can be found in the gospel of Matthew. John Paul II explains that his intention here is to discover what the word beginning means when Christ uses it to clarify why Christ appealed to the beginning in this particular circumstance and to offer a precise analysis of scripture. So let's start by going ahead and reading that text from Matthew. I'm just going to read that, and then we're going to um, talk about this first section. So this is from Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 8. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, For your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So Christ here is making a reference to Genesis, which his listeners, the Pharisees, would have recognized immediately. 
Specifically, he's referring to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, which says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So this first scripture reference is part of what John Paul II calls the first creation account, which is Genesis chapter 1, verses one, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 4. And then Jesus also refers to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, which says, Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. And this is from what John Paul II calls the second account of the creation of man. So John Paul II says that Christ appeals to the beginning to invite the Pharisees and also us to reflect deeply on the mystery of creation and how we were meant to relate to each other as male and female. So ladies, I would love to hear your reflections on this as John Paul II introduces this section. I would love to hear kind of what really stuck out to you and also how you feel God may be speaking to your heart. So Katie, would you like to share first? Sure. I mean, I have to admit when I first started reading the text, I was had my scholarly glasses on and I was all ready to dive into it because I thought I knew what we were getting into. And then I was really confused why we were starting off with this very specific story in the middle of a gospel. I'm like, okay, the Pharisees are splitting hairs over this um you know, this small detail, why, why is he starting here? And then I realized, oh, that's how Pope John Paul II teaches. He tells stories to make a point. And so, um, you know, I've, I've began to, you know, really love the way that he um, teaches through that story. And, you know, in this story, what, what pierces me the most is just that the Pharisees are just caught up in the rules and they're really just asking, where's the line? We'll enforce it if we know where the line is. Honestly, they're just wanting to know where the loophole is. So Jesus is really just trying to get in touch with their hearts. And they have been hardened and help them to see the meaning behind why marriage exists in the first place and not to find a loophole of how to get out of it. So you know, it really just got me thinking about my own heart and how many times does this happen in our lives with other things where we want a way out when things get difficult. And I just um, really am thankful that, you know, it is the way that it starts because it really causes you to look inward and, and look at the hardness of your own heart. What do you think about it, Patty? That that point that you made about... Um, looking for a way out because what really struck me and there was so much and I I know we just have a couple minutes to speak so the part that really got me was about the indissolubility and the unity and he called us different than he did to the animals he called us male and female because in the reflection it was because it's a relationship and it's that relationship that's indissolvable that, you know, <laughs> our bishop will talk about chocolate milk. You know, you put the chocolate in the milk and you can't separate that. And there's something about that, knowing that from the very beginning, we we aren't 
separate. And so instead of looking when difficulty comes, how can I escape? It's to more to trust that God in his grace has placed us together and to listen and to pray really in the most difficult moments to know that there is a way out, but it's not separation, but it's listening and becoming more. Beautiful, Patty. Thank you for sharing that. I guess when I read this first section, what made me think of is when it talks about God created them, um, man in his image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. Uh, I thought of one, the whole spirit of unity. You know, God made humanity. Man is part of that humanity. But then he also talks about the dual, duality, uh, that it is male and female, okay? So there's something that brings us all together, that binds us all together, but we are also unique in how beautiful that is. Later on in the scriptures, we hear Jesus say, what you did for someone else, you did to me. Or what you failed to do to someone else, you failed to do to me. Again, that whole spirit of humanity, we are united in that humanity. And yet we have a beautiful gift being male and female, that there are also things that are very unique about us. And that, that again, are just beautiful things uh, that, you know, we have to grow into and to understand and that are gifts that we offer to other people. That's kind of my thought, Rochelle. Thank you. Oh, that was so good. Okay. We are all so on the same page. It is so beautiful. Um, Katie, my reflections were almost exactly the same as yours, actually, which is going to make it, this is so good. Um, So, yes, I mean, I immediately noticed that Jesus responds to the Pharisees' question, not in the way they expected. I mean, they were really asking a yes or no kind of question, but Jesus is so good at just piercing through those kinds of questions that are looking for that line. And he sees the heart. And of course, he is the Lord, so he could actually know what was going on in their hearts. Um, But it did make me really pause and think about, you know, how can we learn from that? Like how to respond to questions that people may have. And they're looking for this yes or no and trying to like, you know, get us to um, kind of be in a corner. You know, what can we learn from the way that Jesus you know, responds with such love and compassion and seeing the heart, you know, he is answering the bigger question that they really needed to look at, which is how can we live our lives in accordance with God's plan and what he wills? Like, what is God's desire for us in our marriages? And that's really the question that he was answering. So it makes me really just want to pause and look in my own heart and where I might be maybe um, quick to judge people or, you know, not look deeper and see what is it that that um, someone's really concerned about or worried about in their question. So um, it seems like for Jesus attending to the heart is so much more important than winning an argument or, you know, saying what's expected. Um, And that honesty is just more important than being popular. You know, that's kind of what I feel from him. So I just want to sit at his feet and learn how to do that. (laughs) So um, that was really beautiful. Thank you, all of you. Um, So now we move on to the next section, which is about the first and second accounts of the creation of man. And John Paul II is just basically describing kind of the differences between these two accounts. He says the first account is more objective in nature. It's kind of 
just sort of the facts that they were created in the image of God, male and female, that God told them to be fruitful and to multiply and have dominion over the earth. So it's more of a theological account of creation, whereas the second account is a much more subjective um, account of creation, meaning it focuses on their lived experience and what does it mean to be a human being. Um, John Paul II says in the text, the oldest description, he describes this as the oldest description and record of man's self-understanding. It is the first witness of human conscience. So that includes Adam's experience of being alone, um, his search for a helper, um, the creation of woman and his response to her, um, and then that experience of being naked without shame. And this is what John Paul II is going to spend the rest of this chapter really analyzing. So he introduces the two original situations that we discover in Genesis, and that is original innocence and original sin. And he describes that moment when um, Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as a boundary experience when man moves from the state of grace to a fallen state. So there's a lot here that we could talk about, but for you ladies, what really stuck out to you and um, what applications do you think there are for us? Katie? I think, yeah, it's a great overview of the two accounts of creation and uh, Bill Donahue does these YouTube videos explaining um, these audiences as well. He does a fantastic job of explaining like, was the seven days, you know, actually 24 hour days were Adam and Eve real or mythical, you know? Um, so if you have like a middle schooler or high schooler like, listening to uh, Bill's videos, we'll link them on the resource page, is a great, a great thing. I am not going to attempt to summarize that right here, but really what my favorite quote is um, from the first account is uh, Genesis 131, and uh, John Paul II references it um, in his text, and it is at the end of that first account of creation, and man and woman have just been created, and God, uh, verse 31 states, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And this is something that you can, you know, talk about getting that TOB lens with your with your family. You can really go back with your kids and you can tell them, you know, uh, when they get too caught up in worldly things or they're being too hard on themselves, I simply tell my children, when God created the earth, he said it was good. When God created the sea, he said it was good. When God created every animal on earth, he said it was good. But when God created you, he said, and then they by now go, we know mom, it, he said it was very good. And so <laughs> that is exactly the point we're trying to make here is that we were made in the image of God, unlike all the other things he created. So that makes us very good. And so when they start to understand that, when we as adults and also as kids start to understand that, they start viewing themselves with such dignity. And my five-year-old daughter, when, when I was teaching her this at the time, she had gotten these pajamas that were hand-me-downs. 
and they um, had they said "Born to Be Bad" on them, and I honestly had never made a second thought about that. But she came to me and she goes, "Mom, you said we were very good, and these pajamas say "Born to Be Bad." Why? Why is there a lie on my pajamas?" And I go, "Ooh, good point. I I'm not really sure why why they put that there. You know, that's a lie. We know that." And she goes. Oh, well, we should take them back to the store because if they knew the truth, they would never sell these pajamas. <laughs> and so That's while awesome. it's really sweet, it also kind of made me, you know, a little sad. It, it really just reminds me of the second account of the creation of man. Like we identify much more with original sin than with original innocence. But we have both. And John Paul II so eloquently unfolds like how the the two can both be a part of our story. We sometimes define our identity based on the fall instead of the beginning. And we forget that original innocence um, was there before the fall. And so I think that, um, you know, we were made in the image of God and we were very good is a great place to start with your kids. What do you think, Patty? I really enjoyed your reflection from your daughter and her youth. And when I was looking at this, I um, felt drawn to the part Genesis one twenty seven. Um, and and just before I go into that, I just I just wanted to um, to echo a, about your daughter that the scripture is living, and we know that. And so that I recognize every time that I look at these different scriptural passages, I recognize it's speaking to me in a different place in a different way. And, um, and so it just, it just reminds me when I hear that young girl where she was at in that place, coming to awareness of that. And it they was beautiful the truth all, the time. all the time. And I think that's what's so marvelous because as we're all talking about this and discussing this, we get new awareness. Um, but I was reflecting on um, that, our Lord made us in his image um, and on that reflection. And what it brought me to is that um, he, we have a very special relationship with our Lord and that he made creatures, but he has a different relationship. He made us in his image and likeness. And so that's calling us into a, another re relationship with him where there's a certain dignity and a certain call to intimacy. And so that just, gives me so much hope. Thanks, Patty. I guess when I was reading our section, I kind of focused on the part where John Paul says, an indication is that all the definition of man is based on his relationship with God. It is in the image of God he created them, which includes at the same time an affirmation of the absolute impossibility of reducing man to this world. I think that's so important uh, because I think in our day and age, so often uh, the world tries to define who we are and we have to really work against that. I think living a religious life, uh, it's a little bit easier because we definitely are grounded in, in the scripture and in, in the liturgical patterns of our of the day. And, and that reminds us that we are living for God and everything we do is a return of his goodness. Um, but I do, I think theology of the body helps us to focus on a relationship with God and not to be caught up in the, the snafus of the world. Rochelle. 
Oh, that is so good. And I had very similar reflections to all of you as well. Um, one quote that I just wanted to point out that really stuck out to me, and this was in the first creation account, um, says that man is created on earth together with the visible world. The creator seems to halt before calling him into existence as if he entered back into himself to make a decision. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. And I was just really thinking about that, that he paused before he created us. Um, and that, you know, if you really sit with that and think about just again, like you guys were saying, the dignity that we have as human persons, but also just you yourself, you know, that he paused before he created you. He thought of you. He knew you before you were formed right in your mother's womb. And that is really a beautiful, beautiful reflection um, that we could all sit with. Life is just such an amazing gift and you are not random. You were thought of. Um, and then one other piece that stuck out to me was in the second creation account. Um, and he's talking about how the lived experience of being human corresponded to that objective reality of being created in the image and likeness of God. Um, and what that means is that although Pope John Paul II absolutely believes that our lived experience, which is like our thoughts and our feelings and our perceptions, all of those things are super important um, and they help us to understand our humanity. They need not contradict what is true about who we are and about who God says we are. And I just think for me, that's so important because if I lose sight of the reality of who I am, a daughter, a child of God, um, I can go all kinds of different ways in the way that I think and the way that I live. And so we just need to stay grounded in those truths um, and be able to share that with others. You know, um, it's so easy to get caught up in, um, you know, thinking, well, you know, if that's true for you or works for you, that's fine. But really the reality is that sometimes you know, we can really be removed from what is objectively true. And that can cause a lot of confusion um, for ourselves. I know I've experienced that and others in the world. So um, we just need to always keep that in mind. Okay, so we have one more section that we'd like to go through really quickly, if we can, um, on the perspective of the redemption of the body. And I don't know that we need to say a lot about this as he's going to come back to it later. Um, but what he kind of opposes is why would Christ point us back to a reality that we cannot go back to? We cannot go back to original innocence. We can't go back to living um, outside of this fallen nature, right? So why would he um, point us back to it as sort of um, a standard of how we're supposed to live? Um, and so he poses this thought that he is pointing to the beginning for a purpose, and he's asking us basically to trust him, to look beyond our current state, right? And to trust that he's pointing to our redemption. He's pointing to what he came to do for us. And that is the redemption of our bodies. I get really excited. I don't know if you can, can tell. Feel okay. I, I feel really excited about this. He goes to Romans um, chapter eight, verse 23, that says, and not only, only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we await 
our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body of our bodies. And like I said, he's going to go into this more down the road. Um, so I want to go ahead and open this section up for you ladies. If you had any thoughts um, about this and how it can apply before we wrap up. Yes. I'm so glad that you are fired up about it because this is where I was like, this is too much for me. I'm not cut out to read this. So if you read audience four and you too are feel like you're in over your head, it's okay. And as Rochelle said, like John Paul II was so good in circling back over and over with things. Um, but this is the point where I did whip out my, Christopher West commentary. And I was like, okay. And we talked about this all the time when we read it the first time around together last year is like, I think I know what he's talking about, but let me just, um, revisit this and see what Christopher said. So luckily, um, you know, uh, the, the TOB four, three says precisely this perspective of the redemption of the body guarantees the continuity and the unity between man's hereditary state of sin and his original innocence. And I remember being really bummed out as a child when I found out it was impossible to escape original sin. I was like, well, I've already have a mark against me just by being born. And, you know, you can see that in like my daughter's basketball team when they see like they have a disadvantage. They're like, yeah, we shouldn't even try. Um, but that's really not what, what uh, the message is here. Um, they're really trying to uh, show the hope here. And Christopher West explains in his commentary on page 33, herein lies the meeting point of the remarkable gift of God with the mystery of human freedom. In the face of grace lost, God presents us with the sheer gift of salvation, but it remains up to us to accept the gift. So hopefully that reminds you of our past conversations from our freedom episodes. But I mean, the good news is we always have the choice to create that happy ending. I really enjoyed that, Katie. And I also, when I read it, I thought, oh, there is a lot here, a lot to wrap our minds yes. and our hearts around. And so again, I was exposed to uh, Rua Woods has middle school reflections and I, um, really felt it was important for me to go to a more simple understanding. And so I wanted to go over real quickly with you what, um, what Ra Woods brought up at the eighth grade level. Um, and so it, it talks about there's actually a temptation with all of this to consider only our brokenness and that we are maybe the temptation to think is that we are just bad. You know, you mentioned that when you were younger, that Wanting to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that. And so, but then, um, what was considered is, but if we look at the original man before the fall and how we were created so good. And so then that gets to what is redemption. So if we're just bad, well, there is no redemption. But if we have that where we were good and through Christ himself, he can help us recover our goodness. And actually, it's taught that with the grace of God, we can become more even than what we were with the original. And so that just filled me with hope and, and so even beautiful. a grip on, <laughs> okay, what am I looking at and what am, what am I going forward with? <laughs> 
I think I captured onto that word hope as well. <laughs> and as I quoted in an earlier um, uh, podcast, uh, with St. Irenaeus is that, um, you know, the glory of God is man fully alive. And that's kind of what I, I pulled from this, that God created us to be fully alive. And with original sin, we lost some of that, but he's still calling us to that. And mm -hmm. so that's what, to which we aspire. And I think as theology of the body unfolds, that's what it builds in all of us to realize what we were made for. Yes. So good. Oh, I'm still really excited. See, I think you guys get it. Come on. <laughs> you did a great job with all of that. Um, yeah. I mean, the only other thing I have to add um, is that he calls us back to the beginning because that's still that's still the original plan for us. And it hasn't lost its force. It still is his desire for us and the way that we can live you know, our best lives and be our best selves. So he didn't do it just to point us to some unattainable ideal and make us feel bad, right? He is going to give us the power through his life, death, and resurrection. Um, he's able to do that. And Moses, you know, the reason he allowed them to divorce was because he didn't have that power, right? He didn't have the power to redeem them. He couldn't do anything about their hardness of heart but jesus came and he does have that power to actually change us to change us from the inside out so it is absolutely so hopeful so the application to me is do i believe this am i claiming this truth every single day when i wake up that he came to give me a power a spirit of power and not a spirit of fear and we should open our eyes every day and just claim this truth. Yeah, let's that put that on that. that pair of pajamas. Yeah, yeah like let's that. do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to work on that. Yeah. Come up with something. <laughs> I love that. Um, so the truth is, if he asks anything from us, he is going to give us the grace to accomplish that. He will give us everything that we need to live that out because he wants us um, to have the best life. So that is all we have time for today. As you could see or hear, um, there is a lot to talk about. Um, but next week, next episode, excuse me, we will be studying um, audiences five through seven, which is on original solitude. And this begins um, John Paul II's deeper analysis of the creation story. Um, and this is also found in Genesis 2, verses 20, verse 24 through 4 verse one. And I just want you maybe to take some time between um, now and the next episode to just sit with that and read it um, slowly and think about what um, what we have to learn about the human person um, through that scripture. And then you'll be ready for the next episode. So um, thank you so much for listening. And until next episode, God bless. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. We can be reached by email at befilledpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram. There you can find additional encouragement in between episodes. Also, be sure to check out our show description for links to resources we discuss in the show, as well as questions for deeper reflection. Until the next episode, God bless.